everyone, and welcome to the NBS show. I, Silver Quill, have stolen the reins of power, and am now in charge of the show. Therefore, welcome to the Silver Quill show, starring Silver Quill. Also, my sidekicks, i.e., guys I put bullseyes on to take the flight for me. First, we have podcaster and planeswalker extraordinaire, Norman Sanzo. Hey, guys! I'm real hosting this week. <laughs> and then we have our Pokemon friend and constant target of blue balls, Tartaro1324. Well, since Norman's not hosting, I guess he's a sacrifice. Sacrifice. What? Sacrifice. Oh, wait, what? Oh, yes, we must sacrifice for the reviewing gods. Norman, surrender your dignity. Who says I have any? <laughs> oh, well, that, you know, you're on YouTube, so there, there's that. Th- that is true, that is true. I mean, when you go big on the YouTubes, your dignity is out the window. Along with, what, uh, Google AdSense? So is it? <laughs> I haven't seen my dignity since 2012. <laughs> no comment. But anyway, as we've prepared the sacrificial uh, dais for Norman, where, you know, it's really just my coffee table, we are going to discuss Little Witch Academia, and we're doing a twofer today, because really these are two halves of one story. What You Will and The Magic of Samhain. I believe they pronounce it differently, but I confess I'm trapped by the old Ghostbusters, the real Ghostbusters cartoon. (laughs) <laughs> because every Halloween special, Sam Hain, the pumpkin-headed spirit of Halloween, would try to wreak havoc. Uh, this one's a little different. It's more of a vor festival. <laughs> oh boy, it ain't no. Yes, yes. So basically, the the Sam Hain festival is coming up, and it's up to well, everyone has a role, and Akko has dreams big, does big. And screws up big. So that's as much of a preview as I'm going to give. So instead, hit the pause on this podcast and skip on over to Netflix to watch the two episodes. I think you'll enjoy. So we're just going to be here. Going to wait. Mm-hmm. No rush. Are they back yet? Yeah, are you done? How about what? now? How about now? How about now? <laughs> I think they're back. I think they're back. <laughs> are they back, Norman, or is that just your... Naive hopes. You know, in the stop time, anything can happen. Yes. For all we know, that darn meteor from November, uh, coming in November has actually come a little early. And we're like, oh, I, that's a nice planet. I think I'll break it. <laughs> I, I ain't going to joke about it, man. That's scary. No, no. It's a, it's a small meteor. It's not going to... I don't believe it presents any real threat. But... First impressions are in order, because I am going to assume you are all back. Otherwise, I'm just talking into the air. (laughs) Also to my friends Norman and Torterra. I don't mean to think (laughs) you as ethereal as air. But first impressions are in order. And Torterra, I want to hear your thoughts. Well, I really liked how they, um, I guess you could say, well, for the first part, I like how they set it up and how it's, I mean, obviously, you know, it's a filler. They're trying to fill in the gap with, uh, like, you know, the usual fillers, they set everything up and one person doesn't like to do these and they try changing up, things up. And, you know, the second part, that's when it happens. And, you know, it happens the they go. Well, it kind of happens the way they want. And, you know, it's a happy ending. <laughs> Yay. And Norman, what are your thoughts on this? For uh, episode 12, 
it's a really interesting episode where we get to see a lot of things getting set up. Like, we see uh, Ursula doing, quote-unquote, her job to teach Akko the ways of the magics. And then we get to see uh, a bit of history on the Samhain for this world. And, you know, the episode itself for episode 12 is just a lot of setup to what will be the peak of the season, quote-unquote. Because, well, uh, there's a scene where we get to see a few dumb idiots being dumb. Yes. Just a few dumb idiots? Uh, well, if you include Akko, there's going to be more then. That is that is what Akko often faces. <laughs> she faces slander on a regular basis. But for me, okay... In terms of two parters, the first part, uh, what you will, bit of a snoozer for me, and in fact, it actually is pretty negative uh, view of Akko at times, as uh, well she's trying to handle things. But the second one more than makes up for it. It's exciting, it's interesting, it's uh, quirky, and it gets to show Akko at her best, and maybe even reinforces the bond she's made with her friends, which means a lot. But we shall get into that as we advance. So, starting with what you will, or what I will, I will start talking about what you will. Do we know anyone named Will? Oh, yeah, we do. Uh, Remember Will yes. Risen? Or the Willstonator? Yeah. This be you. But, what have you? So, we begin uh, what you will late at night or perhaps early in the morning. And two students are doing their best. First is Diane, who is reading. Lots of reading. And meanwhile, Akko and... Uh, Ursula? Darn, I know her, Ursula, thank you. I've, I keep wanting just to call her Chariot. <laughs> oh no, spoilers! Oh no, silver! <laughs> so they're practicing transformation magic in the courtyard, which leads to some pretty funny transformations in my eyes. And it shows how far Akko has come as she's able to do more shapes but none of them perfect. Meanwhile, Diane is doing the epic reading. Thrill as Diana just sits there and looks at paper. Listen as she has no eternal monologue and reads aloud to herself. Oh, Make sure she doesn't get a paper cut. Oh, no. A paper cut would be too brutal. This is PG-13. <laughs> Poor Miss Ursula. She, uh, she's, got to, she's trying to work with this. <laughs> also, hearing Akko's praise of Shiny Chariot. Shiny Chariot! And Ursula's like, I'm right here. <laughs> What's the matter with you? Uh, I haven't seen a I haven't seen a relationship this awkward since since a Miraculous Ladybug. Ah, uh, yeah. Man, I want to watch more of that show. When is the new season coming out? I don't. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Oh dear, we have a conflict of dissension within the ranks. Yeah, you, Ooh, you, you Norman, you I didn't think you were into that stuff. You what? Is he into a dissension within the ranks, or is it miraculous with you know wearing tight leather and blindfolding the guy while miraculous binding <laughs> his arms? Okay. Well, now that I now that we've definitely gone past PG thirteen on this one. Yeah. <laughs> The whole of the school, however, is excited because the uh, festival is coming up and everyone is going to have a role. And to be honest, 
it, this certainly looks like the most metal school festival one can have. They do a projection, and there's a mountain of skulls. It's like, how could you not find that metal? Norman, do you find that metal? Heavy metal. Torterra, metalness? Total metal. Total metal. Then there's cauldron brewing. Slightly less metal. In fact, you usually use wood. <laughs> so it's slightly not metal. But everything about this is to lead up to being, uh, what do they call it? The Moonlit Witch, who bears a costume rather similar to Shiny Chariot. And so, of course, Akko, she knows that Chariot got chosen, and that might explain where her uh, costume came from. But Akko wants to walk in her mentor's footsteps. She wants to emulate Shiny Chariot, but she's first got to face Diane. She's got to find a way to overcome Diane and all her, uh, well, <laughs> her fans. Like the dang schoolmistresses. <laughs> and when the time comes for the drawing, guess what role they get? Akko and her friends get. Let me guess. It's the last one, the terrible one. Jenita Duty. Well, that's well, the second last one. Wait, is the second last one? What could be worse than Jennifer Duty? Uh, being the mess that they clean up. Yes. Uh, Lote, uh, Suzy, and Akko are to be the sacrifices to a malignant spirit. Basically, it eats you up and spits you out. And it's the mm. most disgusting, uh, insulting, and uh, basically, this school sucks. Uh, Silver, let me they, correct you something. Uh, it's not spits you out, it's digest you out. Yes, the oh. technical term. <laughs> oh, so basically you get pooped out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so all the people have a have a merry laugh, but you gotta wonder who uh who who set this up? This feels almost engineered, so Akko, being somewhat of a the the black sheep of the school, is um is being set up to be shamed. The fates, the sister of fates have a role in this. I'm not sure it's the fates so much as the teachers. <laughs> Jacques. <laughs> but we shall pause briefly to poll our, our podcasters. So, Norman, what do you think of this setup? The setup is smart because they explain what the holiday is to us, the audience, who got no idea what this is, and they pick roles for, well, job duty and whatnot, because it's a festival and everybody has to do their part. Um, some characters have certain lock roles, like the dark-skinned witch that's the announcer or something like the DJ or something like that? Uh, announcer, yeah, let's just say announcer. She has a set role becoming the witch announcer, uh, the photographers will do their parts and whatnot. But um, the, for the rest of the student bodies, uh, some got janitor duty, some got cauldron, some got whatever it is. And the lead will always get the best, which is Diana. And unfortunately for Akko and her team, they get to be bait and food. So, yeah. But it's an interesting setup and... We now know a bit of the world lore. And Torterra, what do you think of all this setup? Oh, I like how it's I like how it's set up. Like you see that Akko wants to be the Moonlit Witch and it's like, Oh, I can't wait to be it but it's like, Oh, I got bad job of being a sacrifice and you know she's gonna 
pull on through and uh well not gonna spoil the, the ending yet but just gonna say now is you know she, you know she she wants to be the moonlit witch and she gets her way hint hint nudge nudge <laughs> but um she gets the short end of the stick and then diana you know she's the lucky one she always gets the big tasks <laughs> i don't know how but she always gets the big jobs but i like how it's set up <laughs> talking about big jobs we, we'll get to see what diana does on a daily basis or goes through on a daily basis <laughs> with all the oh i guess i should chime in as much as i say oh this school is horrible or witches are, are terrible there, it does hint at the fact that this magical world, things are harsher. There's greater element of danger. There's greater consequences to actions. By comparison, we live a pretty sheltered life in, in the non-magical world. Because, well, magic can't doesn't uh, turn on us. And so, in a weird way, all this dark imagery, all this uh, threat, and even seeing people get devoured is sort of preparatory for a harsh world at the same time you are intentionally submitting several young women to mental trauma as they are slowly digested by a pit meanwhile job of the huts off the side like whoa, 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 ah, 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 ah. and so okay i get that you might be prepping kids for a hard knock life but what the hell Give them a sleeping spell so they could still be digested and pooped out, but not uh, not have to remember the horrible trauma. I mean, uh, who uh, Suchi is excited for it. <laughs> she would be. Yeah, but I mean, th- th- there is a saying: uh, in the real world, you're gonna get chewed out and spit out. So, I mean, this is no different than that. I prefer life is like a harmonica. Oh. Sometimes you got to blow and sometimes you got to suck. Oh, I, I thought life is like a hurricane. But baby, you're a firework. <laughs> I thought it was life is like a box of chocolates. Oh, no one's going to take life my Life is a highway. <laughs> no one to take my bait. I want to ride it all night long. Oh, God. I set it up. No one to take my bait. Oh, God. Dude, there's too much baiting in this. <laughs> Look, we're... Here's here's the uh, at the end of the day the the finale of this festival is basically a snuff film. <laughs> uh, that's one way to put it. But anyway, so Akko and company retire to their room, with their friends, all of whose names I forget. There's the young witch who likes to eat. There's the techno witch, and there's the racer. Uh, racist Amanda. Amanda. Well, I believe now my memory is failing me. It's Amanda who hints at a magical mirror. Magical mirror. Uh, I don't remember. No, I don't remember. It's been a while. Like, I watched last two weeks ago. But I think because of that, um, Lotte searched for something. I'm mistaken. Diane, it, apparently part of the ceremony calls for magic mirrors. None of which can tell you if you're the fairest of them all. Uh, but basically Diane makes a makes a decision on what mirror to use the festival a very prankish impish mirror it's a troll but Akko stumbles in trying to figure out how can she overcome this insult this slight against her and how can she not get eaten but instead when she goes to see this prankster mirror it pranks her in the worst way possible it turns her into Diane 
And thus begins Akko's campaign to uh, basically abuse the power, including something that I feel is long overdue. She, uh, with the threat of a curse, she humiliates Diane's two toadies. <laughs> and let's be honest. Okay, pulling pulling the podsters real quick. Who here did enjoy seeing them get some comeuppance? I did, but... I did. <laughs> I, I think we all did. But in all honesty, Aku did try to uh, say that she's not Diane. In the mirrors, kind of uh, did something to her, but she doesn't know. But I'll save I'll save my opinion for later on. I actually right. did think of a small little funny scenario after I saw this scene. Oh, I don't know no. why, but after, while see while seeing the scene, I was imagining I was imagining Norman looking at the mirror. And then the mirror is like, you're jealous. You want to be like Silver and Torterra. And then all of a sudden, tra- Norman transforms into one of us because of the mirror. Ooh, but which one? Norman, if you could turn into either one of us, which would it be? My ego's not tied in this at all. Uh, <laughs> at all. Yeah, Norman, which one? Decide. But you guys are assuming that I'm jelly of you guys. Norman, <laughs> let's be honest. Let's be real. <laughs> This is a place of trust, and I trust that you're so jealous of us. So very jealous of us. Okay, okay, okay. Because if, reasons. Okay, if, if, if I need to pick right now, I, I, I'll, probably, <laughs> I'll probably say Totera because he lives in the North America that's not threatened by death every few minutes. Oh, wow. Oh, I see. I'm 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 disqualified because I live in America. America. I'm sorry. Wait, wait till the pandemic's done. Then I'll be uh, jealous of you, Silver. All right. Come back in 2022 when we when we find out if Norman is still jealous of me, just not where I live. We gotta put a pin in that. Yeah. But anywho, so okay, getting to see these two little well witches. Substitute one letter for me, please. Uh, the uh, it's it's kind of gratifying to see them get their comeuppance. But then uh, Akko's journey, uh, walking a mile in Diane's shoes, takes a very different turn. As not only does she, well, invade Diane's privacy, but is also called upon to help with the pre- festival preparations. And strangely enough, Akko gets a perspective on Diane. I don't think she would have gotten any other way. Now, me, I'm still focused on the fact that she gets an entire library to herself. Here's the contrast. Akko and her friends share a room that really seems designed for two at most. Meanwhile, Diane gets the the penthouse. And I'm just like, wow, every step of the way, the favoritism of these teachers is really appalling. Hmm. And I know she comes from, she comes from a prestigious uh, family. And I understand that that puts a lot of pressure on Diane, especially as Akko reads her diary and learns her desire. Well, desire sounds scandalous. It's her goal to help the world of magic. But look at how they cater to her. I mean, no wonder the world of magic is stagnated. They've they've put all their trust in one family, not in, not in their actual students. Tartera, your thoughts? You described it very well, because I have to agree. It's like, yeah, Diana comes from 
I wouldn't say royal family, but she comes from a family that's well known for being good at magic and stuff. And it's like, yeah, every time they see Diana, they always praise her. But it's like, what if another student does well? Are they still going to praise Diana for it? Or what? Like, the school is very messed up. <laughs> yeah. It's like, keep this up and maybe you can be as good as Diane one day. <laughs> exactly. And Norman, how about yourself? I like the scenario where uh, Akko is in the shoes of Diana and she gets a perspective of how, um, well, not great Diana's day-to-day is because we see that th- there's a contra between the the both of them because Akko here, daily life is kind of easy because she goes to class, hang out with friends, do homework and whatnot. But in Diana's case... She does that and more because since she's good, everybody goes to her asking for help, asking for opinions. And it's not only the students, it's also the adults. So there's a lot of pressure onto her or unneeded pressure that's put onto her by the uh, school. Not only being from a prestigious family, she's... Well, she's putting a lot of pressure on herself that's not really needed. Other than that, um, I I do like how Diana is not mad at Akko for uh, transforming or impersonating her because she already know that it was the mirror that did it and stuff. But still... You you get to see the difference between Akko and Diana in terms of how they handle certain scenarios. And this is one of those scenarios where Diana's the bigger gal. Or at least her very composed self. Mm, true, true. And what about you, Silva? Well, I think I think I've already voiced my outrage. I have not uh commented that it is it does reflect poorly on Akko. She tries to resist temptation, but very briefly as she starts going through Diane's things. <clears throat> and so uh, this may not be Akko at her best, as she's basically flailing about and really doesn't have a plan. And so then it's very fitting that after the spell wears off and everyone sees her transform, uh, honestly, I'm amazed she isn't lynched on the spot. I mean, word's going to get around to what you've done. But... Uh, in a private moment, she actually compares herself to Diane and just realizes, uh, I can't keep up with that. I I can't match that. Look at all she's doing. Look at what she's trying to do. In some ways, I think she's gotten a, a begrudging respect. But that's when Ursula reappears to try and talk her through. And I, I find it kind of funny that she's more like, oh, are you worried about the festival still? Oh, not... You impersonate a student and didn't immediately seek help when you've been transformed against your will? We need to talk about that. I mean, uh, with how Akko and Suchi interact, I mean, this is just a regular Tuesday. <laughs> well, especially, okay, I, I forgot to mention, the. I don't think uh, Suchi is, is intrigued by being eaten by a spirit. I think she's intrigued seeing Akko get eaten by a spirit. And anything else is just, you know, side effect. This is also true. Now is where the rod, uh, the shiny rod comes back into place. And uh, the rod says, hear me and obey, wielder. I command you to follow my light, for I am the rod. 
which leads her back to the Fountain of Polaris. And she gets a vision of Chariot as seen through an unknown view, uh, individual. Thus, we see Chariot just having fun. That, funny enough, uh, she wasn't being... She wasn't training to be the Moonlit Witch. She's just trying to have some fun. And so that causes a shift in Akko. I also appreciate that Ursula... Oh, I'm sure if Chariot were here, she'd tell you not to try and be someone else or compare yourself to others. Just do what you do best. Yes, that's totally what she would say if she's here because she's not me. I'm very subtle. <laughs> Ignore me! Wee! Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. There we go. And with that, having seen this vision from Polaris, she gives it some thought and knows just what she wants to do. And episode ends. So before we dive into the second half of this, let's get some thoughts. Norman, mm. your thoughts. Um, I like what they do here because when Ursula tells Akko, there's a few things that I need to point out first because uh, the founder of Polaris has a clause where... If I do remember right, it's that when the time comes to see your future or ask it for help, uh, it will direct you to it. You, you can't brute force your way to it because if you do, it won't work and you're, you'll be locked out. And that's what happened before. But now things change and we get to see her go to the temple and... Uh, look at what she needs to, well, look or see or find out. And that is a chariot practicing magic, not because she wants to become the moonlit witch. No, no, no. She's practicing magic because she wants to do well for her friend, teacher, mentor, whatever it is. And yeah, uh, chariot is just practicing because she wants to make one person proud of her. And I'm just guessing it's a, her mentor. Is it right, mentor? We don't know yet. And also, I haven't seen that far. Uh, all right, all right. Norman, don't spoil things already. Yeah, Norman, sure. No, I, I think it's just the teacher. Remember the one, the previous episode where it's the tree? It's the tree? Well, I have my suspicions. Yeah. But still, I, I do enjoy that. And with that revelation, Akko decides, you know what? It's not about... Uh, doing, uh, being the wounded witch or whatever it is, it's just doing your best and make everyone entertain. And thus, she has a plan. And Torterra, what do you think? Well, I also like I I like how it's set up. How um, we saw at the beginning, she's got the sacrifice, and she's going through the struggles of oh yeah, Diana's got the best job, I got the poor job, and she's like oh what am I gonna do? And Ursula gives her that boost. I guess you could say that boost of confidence. On, you know, do something you want to do, not something people tell you to do. And then when she sees the vision of Chariot, it's like, hmm, do something I want to do. And she's like, I want to make everyone happy and I want to be just like Chariot. And soon we'll, she, we'll, we'll see in the next episode how she does it. Uh, which leads us into the, well, not only the next episode, but the season finale. The the Samain Magic Festival slash the Magic of Samain. So Akko decides she wants to put on a show not just stand there and be the sacrifice and be pooped out later. No, she wants to make, she wants to change things because this being 
this uh, th this creature, the Vaharios spirit, it is just miserable. And listening to its legend, Akko thinks it just sounds so sad, so terrible. So she wants to make it laugh. And she's going to do this with uh, metamorphous magic, just like Chariot uses. So a little bit of the hero worship is still in play. But Akko's friends are very hesitant. They don't have a lot of faith in her magical abilities. And so they're just like, don't, don't rock the boat. Don't go chasing waterfalls. Sit down, you're rocking the boat. I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts, dee lady. -de. Nothing? Okay. No. <laughs> but uh, basically, everyone's been telling Akko, just, just deal with the fact you're going to get eaten. But uh, Akko just won't give up. And funny enough, it's actually some teasing by those same brats as they go. <laughs> this is the difference. If you... If it were a pair of boys, they'd want to beat up the guy who humiliated them. But as this is a school of young women, they seem to be favoring a passive-aggressive approach. Basically reminding her that she's going to be humiliated. And that she's considered the worst witch. And that even her friends are the weirdo and the, uh, what was it, a, a doormat or a pillow? Doormat. I think they called her a doormat. Okay, doormat. Okay, I'm going to diverge just divert real quickly, tangent. These three get dumped on a lot, but I wonder why. Because you have oddities like a witch who prefers magic and has a walking PlayStation console next to her. <laughs> or, and and I I really hesitate on this, but the, the young witch who loves to eat, and we'll learn later, is surprisingly strong. I guess I'm kind of amazed that they're not considered outcasts themselves. No one seems to go out of their way to torment them like they do Akko. And I think it just has to do with Akko not being from a prestigious family. That, or even semi-prestigious. I feel that and also the fact that Akko is terrible at magic. Because uh, right now, we only she, she can't fly a broom. That means she doesn't have the magic to do so. And most of her the stuff that she do is, well... Technically, she doesn't have any magical talents to be there. The only factor that uh, Lotte and Sushi are... <laughs> they just get laughed at because they're in proximity with her. But if you take a look-see, Sushi is kind of a weirdo. Lotte is kind of a pushover. So, yeah. It's the outcast group hanging out with each other. But I can't help but feel that there, there are several contenders for an outcast group. So, but again, it all comes down to birth. And, well, we gain, we may have gained a new appreciation, appreciation for Diane, but she's still getting really favored. I mean, really. So, the so now Lote and Akko, Lote, Akko, and Suchi are on the same page. They are going to do their very best. But that means practicing transformation magic which goes down to the wire as we begin the most boring festival I've seen. <laughs> I mean, even the students are, are are just dying. The color palette in this seems very drab as well. Everyone is dressed in these dull, uh, midnight-hued robes. And yet, and even when things illuminate, it's just not really spectacular. Even the, these guest judges, uh, who were hinted at in the papers from... Uh, at what you will uh they just are yawning 
boring, and they're even talking smack about the headmistress. I like the headmistress. She's cool. So should we talk smack about the cool headmistress? Yeah, I'm right. That's cool. She's she's the daughter of the most awesome skeleton in the world. That's metal. Yeah. Ooh, daughter of skeletons. The That'd new be metal interesting. band. We are daughters of skeletons. Skeleton oh my warriors. God, da, 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 da. So it begins, and we honestly, uh, this festival they go through pretty fast, and it shows. Uh, they show young witches doing their best, sometimes screwing up. One gets carried off on a stretcher. She gets eaten by a plant. <laughs> as it's as it sings, feed me, Seymour. <laughs> trying to think of but, a plant pun, but I can't. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I'm rooting for you. Yeah. I'm sure you'll grow into it. Oh, there you go. Just put the pedal to the metal. <laughs> oh, silence. Hello, silence, my old friend. You've come to mess with me again. But Diane shows up and looks at uh, Suchi and Lote and is like, oh, did Akko run away? Disgraceful. And of course, the, the clinging on. I don't even remember the names of these two. Harnam and Berbera. Oh, that's right. The, the homage. Although I'm not sure I would want to associate the directors of wonderful cartoons with these two rat brats. I wouldn't. I don't know if that's a compliment. Professors Hannah and Professor Barbera. Now we're talking. Soon. 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 But, uh... But Akko shows up just in time, and... But first, Diane is up to bat, and here's where color really enters the frame. This is where the vitality of the festival comes up. And, uh... All right. Before I describe what happens, I just want to hear impressions. Torterra. What did you think of, well, both the festival thus far and especially Diane's first appearance or uh, her premiere magic? Well, not really much to say. I mean, it's just the festival doing its thing. They're going through it, showing all these events, which are pretty boring. And even the own uh, professors of the school, even they're like getting bored of it, too. And one of them's even about to yawn. She's like, oh, sorry, can't yawn because, you know, that's mean for the students. And then you got Diana coming along with her magic. It's like, wow, look at all those flashy lights and colors. And then, bam, there's a unicorn. It's like, or I think it's a unicorn. It's a rarity. Watercorn. It's who? It's rarity. Oh. <laughs> my little pony, my little pony. There is no escape from us. <laughs> nope. <laughs> yes. Like I said, I, I, I mean, I do like how it goes, though. It shows that. Yeah, this routine is very old, and it is boring because it's the same old, and they show that how boring it is. And it's like, yeah, you kind of agree with that. It's boring. It's like, thankfully, it's not a real thing, and you're not there. Hmm. And this whole thing goes until midnight. Oh, wow. Now, Norman, what did you, th- what did you think of Diana's magic show? Um, I'll go for the back, for, go from the start for a bit. Yeah, uh, the, okay. the show itself is kind of cookie cutter because it's a tradition as old as time, and the participant, the participants are new. They're really excited. But it's just the judges. It's just the teachers. They've seen this uh, year after year. And it's kind of boring and dull. Until Diana appears. And Diana here somehow um, sparked the interest of the judges and whatnot. And they create this awesome magic by summoning a unicorn out of the water and 
impressing the lots of them. And well, besides that, there's nothing more to say because the main event for us is going to happen. Well, the main event, but everyone's done flabbergasted as they witness this water corn. It's like a dream. It's a dream with lots of water. Oh no, that's not good. Water, water makes you wet. I know. It's a wet dream. No, you wet the bit. Oh my, oh my, Silver. I went there. <laughs> we are no longer PG thirteen. Uh, uh, uh. Didn't we agree but, that when we first started recording this? Yeah, pretty much. But I've left it behind. Though there is one thing to point out in all this. Um, when the guest witches are observing and they're saying, "Oh, she's the daughter of so and so," well, let's see if she can live up to it. How bitter could that make someone? That even if you uh, perform this amazing spell that gets everyone. Uh, cheering and and after stunned silence, it's not a celebration of you. It's like you. It's just you've met the baseline standard. Is it any wonder then that Diana doesn't even smile as she accomplishes this feat? You know, this feels like a trope that's been around. Uh, a good example is Sasuke from Naruto, because well, he comes from the Uchiha family branch. And they're awesome at ninjutsu. Everything he does is awesome. And, well, it's kind of true. I never watched Naruto, so I don't know what you're talking about. I don't believe it. I'll believe I it. <laughs> I'll believe it. Smoke a pack a day and get Naruto. <laughs> oh, God, no. Or what about Yu-Gi-Oh, then? Um, you get to see, what, Kaiba? Is he a good example? Not really. I think the one of the th- elements that's missing, Norman, is that the tropes you're mentioning, both Sasuke and Kaiba come from families that featured a tragic, well, destruction. Sasuke is the last Uchiha. Kaiba is adopted, and he, and he stole the company from his abusive stepfather. Diana doesn't have any grudge against her family, as far as I'm aware. She's just trying to live up to what they say. But in a sense, she's lost. She doesn't seem to have a passion. It makes me look back at her uh, statement about wanting to help rescue magic. And is she doing it because she wants to or because that's what would be expected of her family? Or both? But it feels like she wants to because it's one of her quote-unquote passions. Because uh, that's what she means saying. That's what she wants to do. It's always... Oh, I I want to um, change the world of wizardry or whatever it is. But at the same time, that passion is being tamped down to meet expectations. Which which I think will surface at the end of this episode. But now it's time for this to become a snuff fest and a vore spectacle. Because, dang, this is weird. In a good way. So this vengeful spirit is unleashed. And while Lote and Suchi... Uh, take to the air, Akko is trying to entertain. So basically, it is literally a game of blob and mouse. (laughs) As Akko becomes, well, incomplete transformations, but she's becoming such a spectacle, everyone's enjoying it except the two stick-in-the-mud teachers. They're just like, oh, so improper. Oh, I would dig it. Oh, oh." Oh, yeah, tradition, tradition. So how long was it since we sat on those broom poles? Oh, at least several years. (laughs) Yeah, but you can you can see that Miranda, Miranda 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 here 
is enjoying herself. Like she just says, "Oh, leave it be. This is something exciting." Ooh, it's actually rather enjoyable when she holds up an arms and just to put them back. It's like, yeah, you don't mess with Miranda. And also the what guest judges or guest judges, right? Yeah, they they two are having a lot of fun and saying that okay, this is new. Let's see where this goes. So Anako's having a sport of it, but unfortunately the spirit just ain't buying into it. So now, meanwhile, while we've been doing this, Ursula has been combing the library, trying to find the reason for this thing's sadness. And it turns out that, well, this this seems like a poster child for self-harm. Hmm. Uh, the spirit was so distraught at the loss of her friends that she implanted a seed of bitterness to make her miserable for the future. And somehow, the entire school decided to facilitate this enabling it I mean what no seriously what uh, oh you've decided to condemn yourself to everlasting torment and depression well okay we'll give you some folks to snack on well at least it's edgy and I don't look for edge <laughs> I'm looking for you to actually do your damn job and raise these kids as best you can hell they're living with you at this point I'm serious. I, th- I thought Hogwarts was the most dangerous school, but I've changed my mind. You sick. You sick. Well, what about um, River, River City? Uh, I don't think I know River City. River City Rampage? I have not played that game. <sighs> That's a game? Yeah. I believe. Never heard of it. <laughs> oh, it's a classic. But whatever the case may be, uh, eventually Ursula appears and warns Akko and, and friends of this, and this is what needs to happen. So, they get eaten. <laughs> and when they get eaten, I'm sorry, I'm still thinking of uh, Dragon Pilot, <laughs> which I watched, and it made me very uncomfortable. And I don't like seeing women being compressed in a thing's belly. Is it squishes them and slimy stuff? Why are we watching this? Uh, Norman? What have you done? What, for Little Witch or what? Yes. How dare. I don't know. Uh, but okay, Um, I think we kind of missed out something really important for the audience to oh. uh, catch up with us. It's And that is that um, why Akko is doing all of this. And she, 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 I'm just going to summarize this. She got backstory that the, whatchamacallit, this witch, what was it, is, the princess, is mm-hmm. sad because, well, she wants to remember her friends and whatnot. And that's why she is in constant sorrow. So, Akko, being Akko, devised a plan to cheer the monster and make the monster laugh. That's, that's why... She's doing all of this. And at the same time, Miss Ursula is doing research on why this creature is like so. So, uh, once the climate hits, we we get info that, yo, you need to go inside the body and remove some kind of parasite that's eating the princess or something like that. And that's what... The, er- the earlier referred to seed of sorrow. Yes. And that is why we get to see the girls getting 
a nice trip into the bowels of the monster. I mean, one show we're watching kids in spandex getting blindfolded. This is what kids are getting eaten. When did this happen? Yeah, when did that happen? I didn't see that. But you remember, you remember Miraculous uh, taking the jump off the Eiffel Tower? I don't, no, I don't want to remember that. <laughs> yeah, I wonder, when did the MBS show become so thematic? I don't know. I mean, it's part of the course of doing this. But anywho. I'm, I'm seriously worried about our souls. <laughs> I'm sure you'll be fine. No, repent. Repent for the end of the episode is near. <laughs> Basically, uh, as they're trying to find this uh, this seed of sorrow, like, where could it be? And they, their heads pop out of the st- into the stomach area. Oh, there it is. <laughs> well, that was easy. So the shiny rod becomes basically a rope pull as they try to yank this seed of sorrow out and Akko is imploring the spirit to remember the laughter and happiness and that her friends wouldn't want her to spend her whole life wallowing in sorrow and misery and she firmly believes this and and so the creature starts to wake up lo and behold they manage to pull this seed loose and the spirit after expelling them in well not the way that it was inspected, but no less disgusting. Mm. I'm not sure if the exit is better one way or the other. But I mean, either this, way, the exit doesn't come out clean. Not at all. Yeah, and that. But fully liberated, the spirit reverts to its pink-haired princess with a crown, offers a curtsy, and vanishes into the hereafter. And thus, Ursula is like, "Oh well, I guess we won't need to do this anymore." <laughs> It's like, yeah, you won't have to sacrifice children to prolong a creature's never-ending sorrow. Okay, you guys suck. <laughs> You'd be a great teacher over there if they allowed males. I, th- I think I would just point out there's certain issues. <laughs> like, a lot. I mean, it's tradition. You don't mess with tradition, Silver. But the bloody hell you don't. But that tradition of all... If the tradition is throwing someone into a volcano or or cutting out their heart, I think you're allowed to intervene. It's like, hey guys, I'm a vegetarian. I don't really go for this. Yeah, but the god of fire needs a sacrifice, so, well, you're up. <laughs> the god of fire? Well, I'll launch some fireworks. It's insulting to him. He wants a sacrifice. <laughs> Okay, then you can go in if you're if it's so important. All right, it's a everybody goes says it's important tradition until they have to do it. Oh come on, Steve! We know you want to. <laughs> Steve. <laughs> yes, you, Steve. Now, now you, you foolish Steves. <laughs> now once again, obey my rod. <laughs> but yes, according to the wiki, I am a Steve, which means I should be afraid of bear. <laughs> Maybe that's also why Norman prefers me over you. (laughs) That's right. He doesn't want to be Steve. (laughs) But we end with... Well, okay. Diana was watching all this and wondering, what is this feeling? What am I I doing here? And even when she's told that she's going to become the moonlit witch, uh, she's like, but what about Akko? Think about that for a minute. Without even pondering, she is saying Akko should win. 
And in all honesty, yeah, she should because she did the impossible. But they got rid of her, but they uh, excluded her on a technicality that she didn't follow the script. Yeah. Which was, for the record, the script was stand there and get eaten. Yeah, and in all honesty, there's there's no getting beyond that, or there's no improving that beyond getting eaten. What Aku did was technically save a soul. Haven't they ever heard of improvisation, though? Nah. Apparently not. I mean... I mean, other other witches tried and failed, but but they're not punished for going off script or falling short. Maybe they won't be the moonlit witch, but seriously. So, wow, I didn't expect to be this bitter towards the teachers as we talked about this. <laughs> the teachers are but, jerks. I mean, most shows have jerky teachers and awesome. Um, hit master mistress so it's part of the course well I think we've just about reached the end of this episode and this overall arc plus the season finale mm. yeah. so I command you to share us your uh, your thoughts on this show on this two part basically a two part season finale well, I think it ended on a good note I mean I liked how Diana, in the end, she, I guess you could say, sort of had cha- has a change of heart. Because like you said, without hesitation or questioning, or, or well, not questioning, but like thinking to herself, she asked right away, why didn't Akko get it? So, like you said, she thought about, you know, she probably deserves it more than me now. But with the whole, you know, oh, she got disqualified because she didn't follow the rules. And I'm like, come on, are you serious? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if she talks about... I don't know if uh, maybe later on Akko complains about not being the Moonlit Witch. I don't, we don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But right now she's still very happy that things went very well and that she had her friends supporting for her ideas. Very true. And Norman, what did you think of this uh, season finale? I, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I like how they set it up because... Uh, in this episode here, it's really visible that Diana is jealous or uh, impressed. What's the word here? I, I think jealous. Yeah, I, I think um, the what you call this the the way that they created or the way that they wrote this episode to make Diana jealous of Akko just because of well who she is and what she did to um, make a change to the spirit that is the, whatchamacallit, I I forgot, the princess. And it's those little things that make this episode awesome. We get to see in the very beginning that Akko here wants to improve but got no idea or is very limited to what she can do. Um, She gets to... Be in the, in the day, in a shoe. How what was that phrase? Be spend a day in her shoes. Yes, yeah, spend a day in her shoes, which is Diana, and see. Okay, uh, she's not living life that easy because she has to, well, live up to the society's expectation of her, and once she discovers that I should do things for me and enjoy myself. And, well, do the things I love. That way, I know what 
to do, she kind of improves and impress her quote unquote rival. And yeah, this this whole episode here is just awesome, especially near the end. At the end, usually monster eats student, poops them out, and then be done with it. But Ako here took the time to do a bit of research on why this monster is this way and does all she can to make the monster happy and laugh just because, well, Ako is just doing her thing and her thing is to spread positivity wherever she is. And yeah, in all honesty, she should have won the Wounded Witch, but on a technicality, she lost. So, yeah, you know, all in all, um, first half of the season was pretty awesome. What about you, Silver? Well, I thoroughly enjoyed this. The, okay, the, the first part, what you what you will, is was kind of ho-hum. It's just everyone's moving around, but not a lot is coming to uh, for fruition. This one, this finale, is much more involving. It's very high stakes. You want to see them succeed. I neglected to mention that uh, Hanna-Barbera, when they were talking about how Otko and the others are going to get humiliated, and they get called out on it, they say, oh, we're just saying the truth. So right off the bat, we're we're back to pony life and the whole, oh, I'm just telling it like it is argument. Yes, like Bubbles, they're, they're using what they perceive to hurt someone. There's no other reason for it. The truth is, yes, this is what the role demands, but it's also true you can influence it. See, they're only they're only bringing up a partial truth. So, again, that's why I don't buy into when people use that awful argument of, oh, I'm just telling it like it is, or it's the truth. But that's what I, what I like about Akko. This, well, the last episode showed her being a little questionable. This episode really highlights her strength. And why she attracts so many people and her, how her stubbornness, while it gets her into hot water, does also manage to achieve impossible things. And so I think this is a great way to close out season one. And uh, I look forward to seeing what this show can offer in season two, provided it does involve the school sacrificing more children. <laughs> Seriously, stop it. We'll see, man. We'll see. Um, I do hope that uh, going forward, we see why this show is so beloved. I think we can see part of it right now. Mostly because you, at the end of the day, I think you do root for Akko, despite having the deck stacked so high against her. Yeah, true, true. I can't wait to um, finish this project that we have because, uh, in all honesty, I've seen all of it and there are a lot of good scenes, episodes that we can talk about and... Yeah, me knowing what I know now, I have to hold my tongue for a bit. <laughs> well, we shall continue to hold our tongues. But not when it comes to what we're reviewing next, which is... Narmen, what are we reviewing next? Ah, next week, we will be reviewing My Little Pony, Pony Life, episode 4. Uh, wait, season 1, episode 4. Uh, how Applejack got her hat back. Ah, our hats off with the greatest villains of all, hipsters. Oh no, no.
Oh, the horror! We will have to wait and see. Um, from what I understand, this episode is a lot of fun. Really? Well, we will get people's thoughts. Mm-hmm. But I believe it's time for the closing ceremonies of our own. Ah. And thankfully, no one has to get eaten to do so. That's what you think. Yes. So, Norman, do you want to take it away? All right, yeah. If you have any questions, concerns, or suggestions for the show, you can contact us at com. You can also reach us on the Twitters. The show's Twitter account is at MBS Show, and my personal Twitter account is at Norman Sanzo. Silver, where can the good people find you? Well, you can find me in many places. If you search on DeviantArt for Silver Quill, and also on Twitter for Silver Quill, sorry, MLP Silver Quill, you shall find me. Uh, you can also support me under Silver Quill on Patreon and Ko-fi, which helps with uh, comics, videos, and all that good stuff. Uh... Every Wednesday when there's a new comic, you can find me on Equestria Daily, posting my thoughts. And do a search on YouTube for After the Factor Silver Quill, and I shall appear. Awesome, awesome. Uh, That Transformers comic, that was awesome, man. Like, I can't wait. Yes, at the time we're doing this, I'm looking forward to uh, Spike and Grimlock tearing it up. Oh, can't wait to see what happens. Anyway, uh, Tara, what about you? Where can the good people find you? Well, they can find me on Facebook, DeviantArt, Twitter, or YouTube under the name Torterra1324, or they can just do a Google search, and I'll be on all platforms, including my Patreon page. Awesome. And also, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes, YouTube. Don't forget to press the bell icon to stay up to date, and Stitcher Radio, and also like our Facebook page. You can also catch us on PonyWithLive.com. Links are in the show notes. If you would like to support the show, you can do so at Patreon.com slash show. With every support, you get a week's early access to the review and discussion podcast, exclusive and deleted content, and a huge thank you from me. Talking about the thank yous, I would like to thank Lucky Knight, Jeffrey, Tristan, and also Master of Black. Thank you so much, guys. You are great. So anyway, Silver, take us out. Everyone, thank you for watching us. We hope you've enjoyed our discussion of all things magical, scholarly, and questionable. So, for the NBS show, I am Cecilia Quill. I am Norman Sanzo. And I am hungry. I need a sacrifice. Uh... Take Norman. You can feast on his jealousy. Oh, no. We'll see ya. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Trust me, I, I don't taste good. You probably would like some chicken wings. I like chicken wings. Ah, silver's the man for you, then. Yeah, you can't bite me. Ten minutes later. Mmm, delicious. Ooh, thank you.